0: It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the sports fan, presented by JK Contracting. Ready, break. Now, from the WATH studios, here's Carl Blaylock. Well, what's going on, everybody? My name's Cedric Granger. I'm filling in today for Carl Blaylock as I welcome everybody to the sports fan presented by JNK Contracting, joined by Michael Roth, of course, as we will break down a series of different things. We'll talk about the live stadium experiences that we've either had or that we will have in the future. I intended the Bengals-Ravens game at M&T Bank Stadium this Sunday, so we can talk about that. Peden Stadium was live and it was booming for that Ohio-Akron matchup this past homecoming weekend. So we'll discuss a little bit about that. And then Michael Roth this Saturday will be off to Cleveland for game three of the ALDS between the Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians. Should be an exciting show. We'll have a lot of stuff going on for you. But Michael, how are you doing today?
1: Cedric, I'm doing good. I uh, need something to occupy me for the next hour and a half because we all know what happens in exactly 90 minutes from now.
0: Exactly. 90 minutes. Oh, man. It's been a great, uh, just great playoff so far with Major League Baseball. And uh, I didn't get to watch too many of the games. I was doing a lot of traveling. However, I did get to watch game one of Guardians and Rays. And then when I was at the uh, Bobcat game, I was following uh, Guardians and Rays game Two, a 15 inning affair in that matchup. And just what do you think about the uh, guard chances now?
1: Yeah, I mean, you probably you could have checked the game at the start of the OU football game and at the end of the OU football game. And it might have been the same score, 0-0. Zero, <laughs> zero. I'm not sure exactly what time uh, the Guardians walked it off. But, you know, um, the Guardians are the hottest team. Uh, last 30 regular season games, Guardians 24-6. and six, uh, They've won both of their playoff games. Uh, that's the best record out of anybody uh, still in the playoffs. The, the next best, I think... Was 22 and 8. Um, so the Guardians are really hot. Uh, their pitching has led them all season and in the postseason. That's also what got them to advance over the Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees had a couple down months in the middle there after uh, nearing the All Star break. They were the best team in baseball by like three or four games. And then Uh, They had a couple rough months, but they're back playing good baseball. They're not as hot as the Guardians have been in the past month, but they've righted the ship and went from slightly below 500, 500 to back again, winning uh, like six out of of 10 regular season games. It seemed for the past uh, four or five weeks of the regular season. So it should be interesting. Very different styles, uh, you know. The Yankees really like to strike people out, and that's something that the Guardians don't do very often at the plate. I think that's an advantage. Typically, the pitchers that gave Guardians fits are contact pitchers that look to get ground balls. The pitchers that the Guardians have typically hit are the pitchers that rely on strikeouts. The Tampa Bay Rays had more of a pitch-to-contact pitching staff, and the Guardians really struggled. Garrett Cole is a strikeout guy, And he's also struggled in his last five starts. So I think this is a good opportunity for the guardians bats to get going because even though they won both games, they scored three runs in 24 innings. Everybody wants to talk about how the rays only scored one run in 24 innings, man, Cleveland wasn't much better. So it'll be interesting to see if the new pitching style, Garrett Cole, obviously a great pitcher, but a different style of pitcher that might bode better for the Guardians than what they just faced against the Rays. But I think walking into Yankee Stadium, the Guardians are underdogs. I I think maybe if you look at the Vegas prices, I think they're a little bit too much of underdogs, but I'm not going to act like I think the Guardians should be favored to win this series. I I think um, more often than not, the Yankees are going to win, but I think some of the matchups suggest that this is going to be a very close and competitive series.
0: Yeah, and uh, with wild card series, of course, you're always going to have teams have their ace pitchers uh, giving it the go and having the starts uh, in those first couple of games. So it can lead to some very low scoring games or where you have games where there's nobody on the board through six innings through seven innings, however long uh, the starts end up being. Uh, but, yeah, we made some great points there with the Guardians. And, of course, the main goal, you got to steal one on the road. As a lower seed, you just got to find that way to be able to win in the Bronx. And if you can take one, you can give yourself a shot to be able to close it out at home. And a progressive field was absolutely rocking this weekend. From what I've seen, I've seen videos and I just want to know how excited are you to be able to get back to that stadium and see that venue with a playoff atmosphere?
1: Yeah, it's going to be going to be my first MLB playoff game um, of my life. So that's really exciting. Um, you know, playoff atmospheres are just different uh compared to the regular season. So it'll be exciting, you know, game three, hopefully it's not two nothing Yankees by the time we get around to that point. Um, ironically, the last time these two teams faced an ALDS, uh, the Guardians took both games in Cleveland and then lost the next three. Um, so they got reverse swept. Um so, yeah, it'll just it'll be interesting. We'll see uh, what the Guardians do. I think that the day of rest is going to help the Guardians because they, had to, they already pitched their top two pitchers against the Rays. So the fact that the series goes Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, so you get a day off after game one, day off after game two, uh, that helps out the Guardians in terms of getting their pitching staff all ready. But the atmosphere in downtown Cleveland should be electric and even cooler. I won't be at the game on Sunday, but if it's not a sweep either way, sweep for the Yankees, sweep for the Guardians. Sunday, you're going to have a Browns game at 1 p.m. and then a Guardians game at 7 p.m., both in downtown Cleveland. So I'm sure everything's going to be electric down there this weekend. I know a lot of people have been waiting uh, for playoff baseball to come back because this is – I think the first playoff series with fans um, at home for the guardians since like 2018, it's not as long as some teams have waited the Phillies and Mariners each snapped very long uh, playoff streaks this season. So their fans are chomping at the bit, maybe a little more than guardians fans, but guardians fans definitely know uh, it's been a couple of years for the Cleveland baseball team to host a playoff series that fans could actually attend. So, uh, yeah, ready to uh, ready to go this weekend.
0: Speaking of teams that have broken their droughts, uh, the Phillies and the Mariners are both right now in play. Phillies, they took down the Atlanta Braves, defending champion Atlanta Braves, seven to six out there in Atlanta, and then currently in the middle of the seventh is the Seattle Mariners up on the Houston Astros, seven to three. And when I was talking about the playoffs and. Of course, doing my predictions with some of my friends, I predicted the Seattle Mariners to make it all the way to the ALCS. And right now, so far, so good. However, still a lot of baseball left to be played.
1: Yes, Seattle was a team that kind of dominated the Guardians this year. However, assuming the Guardians win, I would much rather face the Seattle team that has owned us than the Houston Astros, who won how many games did the Astros win? 106 in the regular season, just behind the Dodgers, ridiculous 111 games. So yeah, uh, it doesn't really matter who wins the Seattle Astros series. If the guardians lose to the Yankees, but, um, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess go Mariners (laughs) for now. So we'll, we'll just see what happens, but yeah, the Phillies, they jumped on them early and they got to their starting pitching and then were just able to hold on. So, uh, I think the Phillies had the least wins out of any playoff team in baseball, and they're just coming out hot, and they've been on the road all three games. They've won all three games. Like If they can get a fourth and head back to Philadelphia up 2-0 against the Braves, that would be an incredible run at the end of the year because the Phillies were reeling at the end of the year. The only reason they really made the playoffs was because their division rival, The Marlins swept the Brewers. The Brewers were gaining ground, gaining ground, gaining ground. And then the Marlins swept the Brewers and made the Phillies magic number one heading into the last series of the season. And, like, there was some funny social media interaction between the Marlins and the Phillies. The Marlins were like, hey, Philadelphia, like, you're welcome for getting you back to the playoffs. We made your life a lot easier. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so don't usually see a team. The Marlins had been out of the playoffs for, like, three weeks Um, But they were still going hard, and they actually helped out a division rival. I guess there's – I guess the Marlins and Phillies are cooler than, like, maybe the Marlins and Braves would be. I I don't think the Marlins are going to send that uh, tweet to the Braves if they did that. But I guess they're cool with the Phillies, so,
0: yeah. I don't know. Maybe some sort of uh, connection there. Like, hey, you better have her back next year, though, when it it counts. Uh, But still, it's a great feel-good story to be able to see those teams that have had such rough luck – over the last couple of years be able to turn it around and make some noise in the playoffs first each of them winning their wild card series over teams on the road that they were not favored necessarily to win i thought mariners versus blue jays i pretty much consider that a toss-up but i thought the cardinals were gonna be able to have no problems with the phillies of course with momentum going on the cardinals are a team that surges late in seasons and this year was no exception and for them to lose i was very surprised so Hats off to the Phillies, and they did a good job of being able to stave off the Braves, even in that ninth inning where Atlanta tried to make a furious comeback. They had a three-run homer uh, that happened, and they tried to ruin Philadelphia's 7-1 lead, but Philly ended up holding them off 7-2-6. But we'll see how these playoffs go. Uh, before we get to our next segment, uh, one thing I want to ask you, Michael, is who do you think's going to come out of each conference? Who are the teams in your World Series?
1: Um, so I thought that the Braves had the best shot of making it to the NL um, and out of the NL side in the World Series, because I thought that both the Mets and Padres were better than the Cardinals and Phillies. The Phillies may be proven me wrong, taking game one. But I really like the Braves' chances of getting to the NLCS. And then whoever you play there, it's going to be tough. So I thought they had the best odds. Um, And I also think that the winner of the Cleveland Yankees series has a really good shot um, to make it all the way. So uh, I know I said that I would probably make the Cleveland Guardians a slight underdog, so I guess I'll follow that and have the Yankees in my World Series. Um, But, yeah, I think uh, I like how those two teams match up with the astros or mariners um because yes seattle's playing really good baseball right now um i didn't really love how uh toronto even though they ended the year winning a lot of games they're just kind of up and down with their bullpen pitching and that's just gonna cost you late in games you saw they were up eight to one and the bullpen couldn't hold it that was why i thought seattle would um beat toronto even though they were on the road Um, But, yeah, I was shocked. Three of the four road teams advanced in those wildcard series were all three games were at home. Seattle was the only road team I picked. Um, I thought the San Diego versus Mets series was a toss-up, and then I thought uh, the Cardinals and Guardians would roll, obviously wrong about the Cardinals. But, yeah, really surprised how well the road teams have been playing. And in the division series, Phillies take game one, Mariners up four, in Game One in their series, so yeah. And the other thing, three of the four division series are interdivision matchups: Mariners-Astros, AL West; AL West, uh, Dodgers versus Padres, NL West; NL West, and then Braves versus Phillies, NL East; NL East. So interesting. These teams know each other very, very well after playing 19 times in the regular season. Yeah, I think it makes for very intriguing matchups.
0: Uh, for me, I had an all-New York. World Series. That's something that I predicted way back in May. I was thinking it was going to be Yankees and Mets, or either that, or it was going to be Angels and Dodgers. Obviously, the Angels had a huge fall off since the month of May, uh, but I still had uh, hopes that my prediction would be correct about the Mets versus Yankees. I was actually hoping to see a Mets Braves uh, NLCS, which I thought would be very intriguing given how. Those two teams battled throughout the entire season with Atlanta coming from behind to take that division. Uh, But right now, with how things have operated, I still think the Yankees are set to be able to make it all the way. And right now, it'll be tough. Maybe the Padres are a team that uh, might be able to make noise. They have a lot of the talent to be able to upend the Dodgers. But, of course, Dodgers, they are the best for a reason in terms of the regular season. So we'll see how it all works out. But that will lead us to our first break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the experience at M&T Bank Stadium and what I saw from the Bengals on the road in Baltimore.
2: Five years, Curtis Auto Repair and Towing has served the Athens area. But did you know they also have a high-quality auto repair and maintenance shop at their Columbus Road location? The Curtis technicians know any vehicle, and they stand behind their quality work. If you own a vehicle that needs servicing, stop by Curtis Auto Repair and Towing and let them give you a quote. Curtis Auto Repair and Towing, 81 Columbus Road, Athens, or give them a call, 740-593-7048. Quality that's through the roof. T-Bay Roofing. T-Bay Roofing. Your certified GAF Master Elite Contractor has expanded operations to now serve the greater Athens County, Ohio
1: area. T-Bay brings their GAF Golden Pledge warranty for up to 50 years to Athens. And it's even transferable once to the next homeowner. Put your trust in the
2: Mid-Ohio Valley's premier roofing contractor. Get started with a free call to 844 Roof, And T-Bay will get you a free estimate within 24 hours. That's 844 Pro Roof, your trust in the Mid-Ohio Valley's premier roofing contractor. Get started with a free call to 844-PRO-ROOF, and T-Bay will get you a free estimate within 24 hours. That's 844-PRO-ROOF, now serving the Athens, Ohio areas. Find out more at tbayroofing.com. Quality that's through the
1: roof, T-Bay Roofing.
2: Joey from Vermont, a farmer trying to get through the winter. Adriana from South Carolina, a single mother living paycheck to paycheck. Liam from Ohio, an injured father struggling to provide for his family. Hi, I'm Shanola Hampton, and I support the Feeding America network of food banks because they help provide over 6 billion meals to people in need each year. Learn more at feedingamerica.org. This is the Sports Fan on 970
0: W-A-T-H. Welcome back to the Sports Fan. On October 11th, Cedric Granger joined by Michael Roth. We started it off talking a little bit about Major League Baseball and the exciting playoffs that have already started. And we are in the middle of it. And Guardians getting ready to take on the Yankees later here tonight at 737. Now we're going to talk a little bit about M&T Bank Stadium, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Cincinnati Bengals. That's where I was this past weekend, as it was an exciting showdown between the Ravens and Bengals. As the defenses shined unexpectedly in that matchup, I honestly thought it was going to be a big-time shootout between two of the best quarterbacks in the league. However, the defenses each came to play, as well as special teams became quite the story in this game. Uh, but it was cool being able to see it at that stadium. It was quite electric of an atmosphere. However, I think the Bengals, even though they lost the game, there are some things they can't hang their hat on, especially given they were without star receiver T. Higgins.
1: Yeah. Um, you know how you said you were expecting a high-scoring game? Well, Vegas has expected higher-scoring games than every Bengals game this year. Bengals are one of two teams in the NFL to be 5-0 and to the under. I think their defense is a little underrated and their offense might be overrated, might just not be clicking on all cylinders, but yeah 5-0 and to the under for the Bengals so far this year, one of just two teams in the NFL like that
0: Yeah, and I also think schematics plays a big role it seemed like the Ravens scheme was to play a lot of zone coverage and prevent the big play, we remember last year's games, the Bengals had their way with the Ravens uh, as Joe Burrow threw for almost 1,000 yards in the two games against the Ravens and it really came down to these big plays. There was a lot of big touchdowns, whether it was from T. Higgins, who went for 195 yards in that second game against the Ravens, or whether it was Jamar Chase, who went for 210 yards in the first game against the Ravens. There was a lot of big plays that really helped facilitate the Bengals' offense and made them as explosive as they could be. But it seems like teams in the NFL, their main goal is to bracket Jamar Chase, make sure that he does not make those big plays, And that kind of is what the Bengals expect as their fuel for their offense to be able to put up those high numbers to get to that 30 point, get to the 40 points that they did often last year. So it definitely is a huge difference. But there's also that factor, too, with AFC North football, where there's always going to be a little bit of a slobber knocker type of quality to it, a nastiness on the defensive side. We've seen it with the Browns and Steelers, and I feel like we're going to see that with no matter what Divisional game it is. Bengals Steelers had that quality as well. And I expect to see it from Browns Ravens in two weeks too.
1: Yeah. You know, um, one stat that I brought up about the game last night, Jamar Chase's longest catch was 12 yards in the two games last season against the Ravens. Jamar Chase had 12 catches of 12 yards or more. So yeah, that was a much better job by the Ravens. Obviously, the second game, the Ravens had, like, practice squad defensive backs out there, and Joe Burrow broke every record um, against guys who I don't know what they were doing to make money three weeks before the Ravens signed him, but it wasn't playing professional football. I can <laughs> tell you that. Um, but the first game against most of the Ravens starters, like, they, had, they still had most of their guys healthy. Jamar Chase also cooked them. Um, I remember, I remember vis- vividly I, Jamar Chase took, like, a slant route, like, 80 yards to the house, put the Bengals up like 20 on the Ravens. And I was like, man, the Bengals might be for real. Like that, that was the game that really caught me off guard. So much better job by the Ravens defense last night, limiting Jamar chase and limiting the big plays. You know, the Bengals three scoring drives and all of them took a lot of time off the clock.
0: Yeah, they sure did. And I think it was a bit of a pride thing. Also, the Ravens did have a key factor back in Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters was out the entirety of last season and to have him back, uh, they used mostly Marlon Humphrey on Jamar Chase, but Marcus Peters also got about 25% of the snaps against Jamar Chase, and he was able to make great open field tackles, and Ravens did a good job of preventing the big play. But Joe Burrow did show some good ice in his veins, being able to lead the Bengals down when they were down by six late in the game. Uh, they just ended up leaving too much time. But on the other end, the defense did fantastic against Lamar Jackson overall forcing a couple of bad throws, got in his face a bit and of course came up with the interception and only 19 points given up to the Ravens is no small feat.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the rushing teams like the Ravens and the Browns really help out just chewing clock and having like maybe the final point totals be lower than what it actually seems like. There's sometimes I watch a Browns game and the game just goes by so fast. And I'm sure as a Ravens fan also, I'm not sure how it was in the stadium, um, especially at national TV game, um, I'm kind of curious uh, how the TV breaks were compared to um, just a regular 1 p.m. game. Like, was it like any more ridiculous? Because sometimes like you'll watch a, a game, maybe a college basketball game, and man, you'll just TV timeout, TV timeout, TV timeout. Was it that bad or just pretty normal? Because every NFL game is obviously on television, just not in primetime standalone slots.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit long, and it was one of those things where you never really had any two possessions in a row where it just seemed to continue. Like, I know if there's ever a short drive in a game, usually they'll maybe stay with it, or if there's a 30-second timeout, they'll stay with it. This time, they didn't really do that. However, the Baltimore Ravens, they had a lot of different things that they wanted to do uh, during the breaks. They uh, highlighted local heroes, Uh, They did some breast cancer awareness things. They had a light show where they gave everybody these, like, bracelets with LED lights in it, and that created an electric atmosphere as well. Um, uh, Of course, Ray Lewis, he was in the house, so he did his iconic Ray Lewis dance. Uh, They even had Nelly perform at halftime. So they brought out all the stops for that game. That is the only primetime game for the Ravens in Baltimore, which is kind of insane that that's the case, given that there are some teams that have, like, five or six ones Uh, Of course, the Broncos, we've probably talked about that in past shows, uh, but the Broncos, their primetime games have been mostly duds uh, throughout the entire year. Uh, But I feel like the one we had this Sunday was definitely not a dud. I think ravens bengals was pretty entertaining television for the general audience, and it was definitely entertaining from my perspective as a fan watching that game.
1: Yeah, um, the Broncos national tv love affair is uh is insane and the other thing is um their games that aren't on national tv are way more watchable like their national tv games they score like 16 points nine points i think 11 points and then the one against the raiders was like 31 23 Uh, and i think they had another one where they scored like 24 points like when they're not in prime time standalone games they're actually okay um, I remember one of our fans in the group chat was like, the Broncos offense is like 19th in yards per play. I'm like, yeah, they're really not that bad. You just watched them on national TV suck twice. Uh, that's, the, that's the big problem there. But yeah, big win, uh, big win for the Ravens after uh, the two, uh, two collapses.
0: Yeah, the uh, Dolphins game was obviously a huge collapse. And then the Bills one was almost just as bad. Uh, having both of those two teams, they had the chance to be 5-0. and Fortunately, not able to get it done for uh, me as a Ravens fan. I know for most people listening, we have a lot of Bengals, Browns, Steelers, and a lot of other representation of fan bases here. Uh, but the AFC North, it's far from over. Despite the Ravens being up by one game right now, there's still a lot of football left to be played, and there will definitely be wins and losses all around these AFC North games. We've almost seen a win and a loss from everybody Uh, Ravens have only played one game. Browns, they've gotten a win over the Steelers. Steelers have gotten a win over the Bengals. Bengals kind of in the back seat right now in the division with a couple of losses. However, they do have more wins than the Steelers. So that is something they can hang their hat on, of course. But uh, just in general, too, um, Rob, tell me a little bit about some of the uh, NFL game experiences you've had, uh, especially as a Cleveland Browns fan. I'm sure there's been quite a few entertaining weather games.
1: Yeah, you know, some, uh, some cold games. Went to a, uh, a snow game against the Bears uh, when I was like 8, 9, 10 years old, somewhere around there. Uh, last season, I actually saw decent weather against the Ravens. The Browns won that game. Um, two years ago, uh, during the COVID year where there weren't many fans, saw a uh, freezing rain game against the Eagles. And let me tell you, that's like 10 times worse than the snow. I felt like I could sit outside for that snow game for like eight straight hours I got to halftime and I was immediately rushing to the concourse level like get me warm get me warm that freezing rain just it just gets underneath the layers of your clothes and it's just it's way worse than snow I actually kind of like the snow um maybe it's that like Cleveland Lake uh, growing up on the lake for me um but yeah you know uh Browns amazingly they're three and one in my life when I'm at the stadium which uh most people cannot say that. So, yeah, Ben uh, always had a good time uh, at Cleveland Brown Stadium. You know, uh, I think we're the only NFL franchise that could build a stadium right on a lake and have no way to see the lake inside the stadium. Just fantastic engineering um, when they built that. So, yeah, I mean, can't, uh, can't always get everything right, but that's a, uh, a slight blunder in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, being able to take advantage of a nice lake view would have been uh, pretty scenic, but, eh, c'est la vie. But 3-1, definitely not bad. I've also gone to a fair share of Bengals games that uh, used to be called Paul Brown Stadium, not anymore. And I had great experiences there as well. Of course, the parking situation is a tricky thing for almost any NFL game, so have got to walk half a mile to a mile to even more than that uh to get to the stadium. But great experiences with these NFL games. I think it's a great thing to have at least once a season to be able to go out, go see your team and make it a nice family trip. However, I know it can be pretty expensive nowadays, of course, to go to these games for even like nosebleed tickets, you can be talking about dropping over a hundred thirty, hundred forty, hundred and fifty dollars and that's not even with tax included sometimes. And those taxes, they do sneak up on you quite a bit, but Definitely recommend that stadium experience. And another stadium experience that's really fun is, of course, Peden Stadium, which will be our next segment coming up on the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. have
2: questions on Medicare Advantage plans or supplements, David Logie of Logie Insurance can help. Why call an 800 number when you can sit down with a local agent? David will help you select the correct plan for your needs. David can be reached year-round, 130 West Washington Street, Nelsonville, 740-753-3376.
1: Dave here. I do not run a call center. If you have questions or it's time to make a change, call me at at 740-753-3376. That's 740-753-3376.
2: Tune in this Friday night for the Athens County Game of the Week on Power 105. This week it's a game that everyone's had circled on their calendars all season. As undefeated in conference Nelsonville York travels to MacArthur to take on the undefeated in conference Vinton County Vikings in a game that will decide a share of the TVC Ohio title. Pre-game starts at 6.30 with kickoff at 7. Nelsonville York, Vinton County It's the Athens County Game of the Week, Friday on Power 105. You are listening to The
1: Sports Fan on 970
0: WATH. Welcome back to The Sports Fan. Cedric Granger joined by Michael Roth on this wonderful fall day, October 11th. With nice beautiful weather in the 70s. I know that will not last, but it is great to enjoy a little bit of the last hurrah of summer before we get into the depths of fall and winter. And we had a great day uh this past weekend where the weather was quite nice, especially for homecoming weekend. Uh Roth, you get to enjoy Homecoming Weekend now as a postgraduate student now. How awesome is that?
1: Yeah, you know, it's great seeing all your friends that you made so many memories with in Athens over the four years I was here. And then they all got to come back, a lot of them for the first time since graduation in May. So just a great time. Athens is always buzzing in homecoming weekend. Uh, Court Street is always flooded. It doesn't matter if you want to get into a bar, a restaurant, a restaurant. Um, whatever you want to do, it's going to be a long wait. You got a bunch of people flooding in uh, to this great small town for that weekend. So just had a great time. Wasn't able to make it to the football game, but a lot of points scored by the Bobcats. And Curtis Rourke has Ohio with the top passing offense in the MAC.
0: Yeah, he sure does. I mean, right now he's sitting he at 1,944 yards on the season, and he's on pace for almost 4,000 yards. And he's been a great facilitator of this offense. And seeing his step up from last year to this year is just huge to be able to see that. It's just in a really very efficient offense, especially in MAC play right now. Ohio's been able to put up lots of points and come up with big plays when they are needed. And his connection with Sam Wigless, especially on the big plays, has been awesome. I mean, sitting there in the, uh, I was on the field, I'm the on field MC for the team. So I go there, I sit on the field. And the first play from scrimmage, like, okay, let's see if they're going to establish some sort of run game or not. No, they went for the home run ball right out the gate. Curtis Rourke dropped back to pass, found Sam Wiglis on a post route, showed great patience, letting the route develop and letting Wiglis get downfield, burning the corner, and took it all the way to the end zone on the first play. And there's been big plays like that throughout the season. Of course, the Kent State game, uh, when the Bobcats found themselves in a situation where the game was tied, uh, they were able to go down the field quickly with a big Sam Wiggles touchdown, but this receiving core has been fantastic for the Bobcats. And it's not just been one person. It's been a combination of different guys. Of course, Jacoby Jones has been doing great things. Bostick, of course is a great receiver cross. Uh, just a lot of players that have had really solid seasons where they're well over a hundred yards, well over 200 or so yards. And it's just been a very electric passing offense. And, one thing that I think is important, especially for a group of five teams, just be a fun team to watch. I think that's something that if you're in the MAC, that's what you want when you're playing on those Tuesday night games or those Thursday night games. And any time where you might have a full national audience for an ESPN maxion sort of game, it's just great to be able to have a nice high-scoring shootout. It keeps everybody interested. And it's just a lot of fun to watch. And so far, I've been really enjoying all the home games uh, for this season, Roth, because... Bobcats are undefeated, 3-0 and at home this year.
1: Yeah, the like you mentioned, just being at least exciting and watchable, that's something you have to call this Ohio Bobcat football team. Um, their defense also makes games exciting and watchable for the wrong reasons, especially the Fordham game. Um, did you know that wide receiver for Fordham that's kind of off topic? Um, He's obviously in the FCS, not the FBS, but he'd be leading the FBS in receiving yards, mostly due to that game. Um, So he had like 320 in that game. He has like 770 total on the season. So he has like 400 something in the other uh, four games. So still doing really well, but not like that 300 game he gave us.
0: Yeah, that was uh, quite emphatic there. And that's where Ohio will need to step up in-back play. They were given a favor by Miami, which doesn't happen very often, of course, but Miami took down Kent State. Kent State is the only team in the MAC right now that has defeated the Ohio Bobcats. So, for the Bobcats now, if they can take care of business the rest of the way, uh, which is easier said than done, they are in a good position to get a share of the MAC. and that's always the problem when you drop a game. Usually you have to worry about somebody else losing or Kent State having to lose twice, Uh, but at this point, uh, Kent State has now lost their one game that they needed to. So the Bobcats are in a really good position. But as it stands right now, a team that's been the surprise in the conference, a team that struggled a little bit last year, uh, finishing, I believe, 4-8, and eight, were the Buffalo Bulls. And right now, Buffalo, 3-0 in the conference, 3-3 and total on the season. But, of course, the thing that really matters is that 3-0 and in conference standing. So they're sitting up top. Then it's a nice log jam in the middle Ohio 1 and 1, Miami 1 and 1, Kent State 1 and 1, Bowling Green also at 1 and 1, and then bringing up the rear are the Akron Zips who the Bobcats just defeated who usually are one of the teams especially over these last couple of years who's been at the bottom of the MAC, so good for Ohio for taking advantage of that and getting a win. However, things will not get easier as the season goes on.
1: Yeah, um the Bobcats schedule is not super easy, but uh, I don't think many max schedules are very easy once you get past the Akron and maybe still Bowling Green game. So we'll just see how the Bobcats do. It seems a little premature um, to talk about winning the division, especially after that tough loss to Kent State. I think the discussion around the team is really different if this is a 2-0 and o team uh, instead of 1-1. One and one. So. That's, uh, that's just what it is, but like you said, the team's exciting to watch, so that's the best part.
0: It is, and they have a shot to be able to contend for a bowl game this year. Last year, I think that was one of the biggest disappointments as student fans and watching the Bobcats week in, week out. You want to at least watch a team that can get there to a bowl game, get the six wins and uh, give themselves a shot to go to an exciting bowl game and maybe give some of the students a chance to travel alongside and and went some pretty cool bowl games. Of course, the uh, famous Idaho potato bowl is one that Ohio has been able to win uh, in the past and got to get to that number six. And there are definitely enough winnable games on this schedule. I believe Bowling green's a team that Ohio has a good shot of beating. Uh, that'll be a home game at the end of the year. And some of their crossovers um, will be a little tricky, but they're not looking as bad as they would have earlier in the season. Northern Illinois uh, was expected to be one of the teams at the top of the Mac. Uh, But if there's anything we know about the Mid-American Conference, Michael, is that there's a lot of parity that tends to happen season in and season out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you mentioned that. Um, Buffalo, you thought uh, preseason, not many people had them near the top of the conference. It seemed like Miami of Ohio and Kent State were at the top. Um, and it looks like they're going to be back at the top this year. And only a couple years ago, Lance Leipold had the Bulls at the top of the Mac, and now he is leading Kansas. So it really is all about just getting that right coach because uh, you look in the Big Ten, P.J. Fleck at Western Michigan uh, all the way up at the top of the Mac, and then he left, and Western Michigan hasn't really been the same since. I don't know if they've made a Mac title game. It's been mostly Northern Illinois. So, yeah, it's all about having that right coach, and uh, even though the Bobcats... Had that right coach for over a decade. They got to the MAC title game a couple times, but have never been able to win it. It's been, uh, I think, like sixty-something years since the Bobcats have won a MAC football title. So need to break that streak sometime soon.
0: Yeah, it's pretty shocking given how consistently good that Ohio was over the last fifteen to twenty years. That. You've had a lot of six wins, seven win, eight win seasons, a couple nine wins in there as well, too. So just a bit of a shocker that they weren't able to turn that into winning the Mid-American Conference. However, of course, as Bobcat fans and as Bobcat students uh, just trying to cling and see if our team can make it to the MAC championship and win it. I know when uh, basketball won the MAC tournament and just how great that reaction was, even despite it being in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, for a lot of us students, it was one of those really exciting moments. And Ohio football has that opportunity to be able to ignite campus in that way. Of course, just getting some big wins would be huge. Miami on the road, of course, Battle of the Bricks is a big rivalry. That's one that Ohio will want to take. And there will be some good crossovers. Ohio playing against Western Michigan coming up this Saturday. And we're almost nearing the point where we're going to start seeing the Maction games come into the forefront. We will have our Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays booked up and ready to go for that. And I really enjoy that aspect of college football and being able to have the Mid-American Conference games there. So it's like I can focus on the Power Five games on Saturday. I can focus on the Group of Five and, or of course, Mid-American Conference on the weekdays. And it is always the big time where you have a lot of teams that, it almost seems like there's never a runaway favorite in the Mid-American Conference. You never have a team that really like runs the table aside from maybe that one-year Western Michigan finished 12-0 and uh, with uh, Core Davis and those types of players. Uh, but right now, it seems like we are on the way for another one of those competitive sort of divisions. The other side, Toledo sitting at the top 2-0. and Very impressive showing against Ohio State, in my opinion, uh, at least on the offensive side, despite giving up uh, 77 in that matchup. Toledo did hang with the Buckeyes for a little bit before C.J. Stroud and company ended up just being too much for the Rockets. Uh, but they're in first on the West Division, and then it's Ball State at 2-1, Eastern Michigan 1-1, one and one, Western Michigan 1-1. One and one. And NIU and Central Michigan, potentially the two teams that were predicted to finish first and second, are sitting at last in the Mid-American Conference. Kind of shocking getting to see that. I know Central Michigan... We have Lou Nichols at running back, a very talented back. Also, they gave Oklahoma State a little bit of a game in the second half. It might have been considered garbage time, but they got a 58-44 result in the on the road in Stillwater. So that's one thing to like notice is seeing how these teams from um, prepare and how they matched up against some of their power five opponents. Even Northern Illinois, they had a chance to upset Vanderbilt, who was sitting at four and two, and of course an SEC team, despite being One of the worst SEC teams. Any win by a Mid-American Conference over an SEC team would have been huge, Uh, but Northern Illinois not able to get that done. And then, of course, a lot of Mid-American Conference teams played against top ten foes. Ohio played Penn State, Uh, Akron, and Ball State both had to go at Tennessee, and those are tough opponents, of course. But, again, great. Should be a really, really great conference race yet again.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, the Vandy uh, Northern Illinois game. I think Vandy was only like a three point um, favorite in that one, so not uh, not too much difference between those teams. But should be interesting. And yeah, the Mack will get a lot of shine playing those national, nationally televised games for the like title push uh, to make the conference title game in Detroit.
0: And I'll just give an update on this. Um, Of course, we're talking college football, but of course, with the MLB playoffs going on, we'll keep you updated on that. Mariners 7, Astros 5, bottom of the eighth inning, one out as the Astros try to rally to win game one over the upstart Seattle Mariners, saying welcome back to the playoffs. And the Mariners want to be coming out hot. They've won one series and will try to make it two to get to the ALCS. Uh, but we'll do talk a little bit about the Buckeyes now, too, of course, team up in Columbus. They are in going into a bye week, but they had a great matchup against Michigan State where they won 49 to 20. And that was a game that was over by the beginning of the fourth quarter as Ohio State's offense right now just looks unstoppable. Do you think there's any teams that have any shot to slow them down in the Big Ten?
1: Um, You know, it's uh it's going to be interesting seeing how um, Ohio state plays against Penn state and Michigan. Those are really the two teams that you're going to want to watch. I think Maryland could give their defense some problems, but I'm not sure about uh, if they're going to give the Buckeyes offense, many problems. And then you're going to get to see Penn state, Michigan this week right now. Um, So that'll be one team's going to, both teams going to enter unbeaten. One team's going to walk away unbeaten. So that'll, really tell us a lot about this Big Ten title race
0: yeah it'll be a uh, good indicator of who might be the second team in the Big Ten if Morse Michigan has the upper hand on paper and they have the playoff appearance from last year but with Penn State they've had a really solid season getting it together and really getting that run game back where it was supposed to be I know Last year and then two years ago, Penn State went through a small stretch where they didn't have a running game, which is really crazy given that Penn State, they're one of those teams that almost seems to always have dudes at running back. No matter what the season is, you got to prepare to strap up for a running back that's going to be on Penn State. Of course, we think of Saquon Barkley in recent memory who destroyed Ohio State three seasons in a row, although Ohio State won most of those matchups two out of the three. Barkley still had a lot of great outs against Ohio State, including his freshman year where he went for 197 yards. I still remember that day like it was yesterday. It was the first night that Ohio State debuted their black uniforms, and it was a day where Cardell Jones got the start, but JT Barrett came in to finish that game. But Penn State and Michigan should be exciting in the Big Ten, which is overall having a pretty rough year for the conference. Last season, they had seven teams finish with nine or more wins. This year there are a lot of teams that have been really struggling that you don't expect to Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, of course, Nebraska maybe starting to turn it around a bit, but still to be 3 and 3 at this point, not expected. And then of course Northwestern, usually a team that might be able to make some noise every other year, especially in even years, right now has been awful. And Michael, I'll ask you: Do you believe in the Nebraska curse that's been going around, where teams that have played Nebraska have lost, like the immediate next week, and have continued to be snake bitten? So, do you think there's any uh, any sort of credence
1: to this claim? Yeah, they're one in eleven after beating Nebraska, and those teams are Northwestern, Oklahoma, and Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, the only one with a win. Since beating Nebraska, uh, I think it's just kind of fluky. I don't, think, uh, I don't think Northwestern was ever any good. I thought their win against Nebraska was a huge upset. Um, and then Oklahoma kind of falling apart after Nebraska. It seemed like they were just overrated. Uh, they dealt with some injuries to the quarterback spot. Um, they're not the same team that they were going into that Nebraska game. And I'll be honest, I have no idea how good Georgia Southern was supposed to be in their conference. So the fact that they're struggling doesn't completely stun me. Uh, what was kind of surprising was how bad Nebraska was at the start of the year. Because if they just, if they would have started the year how they're playing right now, they could have easily beaten Northwestern and Georgia Southern. Um, obviously, the Oklahoma loss is a different story. But yeah, I mean, they, they're probably looking in the mirror like, man, we should be like 4-1, and 5-1. and one.
0: And they've had every opportunity to do so. But I think if that means moving on and getting ready for your next coaching search, uh, they'll try to do that now and already get an early start. Of course, their wallets aren't really uh, thankful for having to leave him and fire him so soon. However, I think Nebraska being able to turn it around um, and work with the new coach coming in, they've been pretty good since then. And they still have a shot to win their division, which is kind of crazy as the Big Ten West is up for grabs. There is a team that did just enter top 25, as you talked about last week or uh, yesterday, Michael. With the top 25, it was Illinois uh, jumping on in. So that's a little bit about college football. We'll talk a bit more throughout this week and do a little bit of a preview of a very, very interesting week seven coming up in the NCAA. But in our last segment, we'll talk about some of our hot picks for tonight's games between the Guardians and Yankees and the Padres and Dodgers. You're listening to The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. This Friday, your Athens Game of the Week puts the Athens Bulldogs against the River Valley Raiders in a matchup where Athens will try to extend their win streak to two games. Athens defeated River Valley last year. Will they be able to do the same thing this year? Find out this Friday. You can catch all the action at 6:45 p.m. on 970 WATH with Cedric Granger and Matt Frazy once again on 970 WATH.
2: If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba. Please be done. Over and over and over and over and over then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat.
1: Sounds good, honey.
2: Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Local teams, local opinions, The Sports Fan on 970 WATH.
0: Last segment of the show on The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Cedric Granger and Michael Roth closing out the show with some of our hot picks and some final thoughts about the sports world. We'll start it off with you, Roth.
1: Uh, so my hot pick is going to be, <clears throat> you're going to laugh, Oklahoma City Thunder plus five and a half NBA preseason. Uh, the Thunder are three and one. The Pistons are zero oh and two. The Thunder, this might be one of the few games they actually like try to win because obviously they'll be tanking all year. They got a lot of a lot of bad players, but those bad players might be better than the players. The Pistons have at the end of their bench. I'm not expecting the Pistons starters or Thunder stars to be playing a lot. So yeah, Thunder three and one in the preseason. They're getting five and a half points. Let's hammer it.
0: There you go. Good pick. And I'm going to go with MLB playoffs and I will go Padres and Dodgers. I'm going to take the Dodgers to start it off strong and get a win in game number one. I think they will take care of business tonight at 9.37 p.m. and give me the Dodgers on that money line. And uh, have you been following the NBA preseason so far and had some friends go out? And I know um, Harden had an appearance in the uh, Philadelphia 76ers game against the Cavaliers Uh, So I just want to know if you follow in a little bit about NBA preseason
1: right now. Not at all. (laughs) Haven't watched a second. I'm excited for the Cavs, but I will start watching the Cavs in regular season game one, which is in, I think, eight days from now. So that's when uh, that's when my attention will turn to the NBA. I love the trades, love the draft. Uh, Yeah, the preseason. uh, That was pick was kind of a stab in the dark, but I saw saw some things. and I was like, you know what? And I wasn't going to bet on the Guardians game because just superstitious with my favorite team, don't want to give it out. So uh, that's how I roll.
0: Hey, I think that's fair. That's always smart gambling technique right there. Do not let your emotions go into the game and go into your picks. But yeah, I'm excited for all the sports coming up. It is a golden time in sports right now. And I hope all of you listening go back and enjoy that after hard days of work Go back home, enjoy these games. You got baseball, you're going to have football later in the week. Of course, basketball right around the corner. Blue Jackets hockey coming back. College basketball will be on the return very soon as well. So there's always tons to enjoy in the sports world. And we try to capture that here at the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Once again, thank you for joining with us. From Michael Roth, I'm Cedric Granger wishing you good evening from 970 W-A-T-H.